0: Welcome to In the Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who have a thirst for growth. Thanks so much for listening in. Now, if this is your first time listening, first of all, let me just say welcome. This podcast is really all about growth. It's about business growth and team growth and personal growth. And I love bringing stories from leaders and experts from all over the world who we can all learn from. And today is no exception. Today, I have Dr. Brian Glubkowski, and he is an internationally recognized scholar. He's a pioneer of a new science of answers called Answer Intelligence. He's author of the book, Answer Intelligence, Raise Your AQ, And Dr. Glebkowski is a professor and CEO of Simpler Science, which is the company that he established to commercialize his research. Now, he's also the recipient of the Emerald Citation of Excellence Award, where his academic article was selected as one of the top 50 articles in the world from 15,000 management articles in 300 peer-reviewed publications worldwide. His research on the six WH questions as a common framework for communication and decision-making was recognized by the Association of Human Resource Development as one of 10 articles that will shape the 21st century. Now, if you're wondering what the six WH questions are, those are what, why, how, when, where, and who. I've been a huge advocate of leaders asking better questions but this research that Dr. Glibkowski has done also shows the value and need for great answers. So let's get into this conversation with Dr. Glibkowski now. Well, hey, welcome, Brian, to the podcast uh, in the growth space. So uh, grateful to have you here. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you, David. Happy to be here.
0: So. I know that I often talk about how questions are a leader's best friend. And while that's true, one of the things, though, that you have written about in your book is that really questions are good, but we have to be able to have some framework for answers as well. And so you've come up with the idea or this answer intelligence. You know, we've heard about the IQ and, and the EQ, and now we have AQ. So I, I want to just have you talk a little bit about what led you to come to this in I know it was part of your your discovery and some of your PhD uh, work, but talk about that. like how, how did you come to this awareness of a need for this answer intelligence?
1: Yeah that's a, that's a great question, David.'ll I'll give you a, the origin story here. Basically, uh, you have a PhD in organizational behavior and HR, do a lot of research. And um, as you go through a PhD program or any college student, you're very familiar with like the research question, right? The emphasis on questions. It's everywhere. It's in, it's in coaching. It's in schools. I remember I was developing a survey for a, for a software company in Texas. And was the survey? Basically, a bunch of questions, right? Yeah, Developed right. that. And we, it was a great survey in leadership. And it had all the best theories and um, we went to do the feedback report and I was a PhD student and I was in charge of sort of doing the feedback report and presentation and I thought it was great. And in fact, it wasn't great. The, The executives were bored. I was thinking to myself, the only thing I think about was back in the day when you gave stuff out as binders, as deliverables, binder on the wall, no one's going to look at this again. Sure. Oh my goodness, this was horrible. <laughs> and I was reflecting on that experience. And what I realized ultimately, and this took many, many years, and the, the book I just published and to fully realize that the problem was not with my questions, what we asked in the survey. It was the answers we provided when we reported back and and also related to questions. But, you know, we didn't have stories of how Mm -hmm. this data could come to life for this company. We didn't have procedures and actions of how the organization could be using these theories we developed. In short, we're very focused on these theories, but there were six answers eventually we came to know as Answer Intelligence And the key to influencing others is providing the answers they want to their most important questions. So that was sort of the backdrop and ultimately developed this answer intelligence framework that maps questions to answers. So let me stop there to see a follow-up question and I'll go from there.
0: Yeah, no, that's so fascinating, Brian. And and, and you alluded to this in, in that answer and talking about the six answer types and and you talked about the the procedures and the concepts and the actions and the theory. And I know there's a couple more story and metaphor. So talk about like what is an answer type and maybe like how do we use those answer types when we're asked a question?
1: Sure. So, you know, there's a visual for this and I know you'll provide reference to those that want to look at it. But imagine a circle. Yeah. Or six answer types, and around the circle is questions. So, this is a framework of answers because that's what's new. But I think no communication framework could be complete unless you had questions and answers. So, we talk sure. about how questions map to answers. So, mm-hmm. for example, if someone asked a why question say, you're a leader, why should you lead me? Right? It could mm-hmm. be an implicit question. The leader mm-hmm. has a story, mm-hmm. or we'd say a story answer, or a theory, or you know, cause and effect logic. Mm-hmm. Um, someone may ask, you know, what is leadership? And you should, and I'll give you an example of, of some of these specific answers in a second. What is leadership? I could define it as a concept and I can provide a metaphor. Yeah. How do you lead? Provide a procedure and action. So you have six answers that map to the, the three fundamental questions why, what, and how. Now, let me, let me give you a specific. Okay. So if you ask me, you know, what is leadership? I could define leadership, answer that what question as a concept. I can say, uh, leadership is inspiring others and holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. It's a simple definition, mm-hmm. but it allows you to understand where I'm coming from. Then I could provide a metaphor. Leadership is like a braided rope. When two ropes are separate, they are strong, but they're made even stronger when they're braided together. That's mm-hmm. how I lead. Each meeting, I inspire and hold people accountable. Those are concise but impactful answers. So right. I have command of what the concept is. I have command of the metaphor. So so often with all these six answer types, we use these in various forms, but do we command the answers? Do we we provide them in a purposeful way that has maximum influence to others? That's what the AQ framework is about.
0: Well, and I think that you just hit on something that it just struck me that the answers and and using the framework and, and using them in a purposeful way it it seems to me that that's where the power of this answer intelligence comes because if we're thinking about an answer well let me back up and say i think that w- when we get really good at this we're able to hear a question and then recognize oh here's how i can answer that with with the theory or the definition and then that metaphor so how do we get to that point i guess and maybe mm-hmm. what's your you know what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah, that's a great question. So we view answer intelligence as a skill that anyone can learn. So at first, the idea of these questions, mapping the specific answers may seem a little awkward because we're not sure. to it. them. But it's no different than, say, basketball, you know, shooting. Mm-hmm. There's form you have when you do a free throw or you do a pass.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you first learn basketball, my son's, my seven-year-old son's learning basketball. He's learning these things for the first time, where you put your feet, et cetera. Yeah, basically, when you practice, you get better. So the same thing is true with the AQ framework. There are certain principles, we call them habits about how you provide answers, and you you learn about these, and eventually you internalize them, and it mm-hmm. becomes second nature. And you can make that bank shot without thinking about it, you know, you can make that pass without thinking about it. And so that's ultimately where you want to move to is that habit formation. Mm-hmm. But before you get there, you have to have purposeful practice. So let me give you an example um, was in a workshop with the sales organization, and the manager said, a big problem we have, sort of using AQ language, once he learned about it, was that our sellers are selling to executive buyers. They're asking why questions that are explicit or often implicit. They're basically, why should I care about your product? And they are not answering that with story and theory. You know what they're doing? They're going right to how answers, procedures, and actions, features, and functions. One, they're failing at question recognition. What is the question, first of all? And then second, based on the question, what's the type of answer we're going to provide? And Mm. if you provide the wrong answer, that creates all kind of consternation and conversation. If you want a story and someone tells you a procedure answer, you're going to get frustrated. Yeah. So to go back to answering your question, it's a habit you practice it and you practice your craft and you're going to get better at it and it'll become second nature yeah
0: yeah and and that if i'm recalling from the parts that i have read of your book there are emotional answers and then there are like logical answers or knowledge answers and so you just brought up i think a really uh, a great scenario where we've got all of us in some way are in sales and so we have to be able to listen and figure out is what kind of question this is, and then how to do we best answer that. Do we do we answer that with a story? Do we answer that with a metaphor or a procedure? What have you? So talk a little bit about that answer recognition that you alluded to.
1: Yeah, I think you know what we're getting at here is with the answer recognition. So there's a, a question-answer mapping, you know, why questions, theory, and story. And you just brought up something else that individuals have different styles of answers, we call them. So these are the individual differences. Okay. So the three styles are relational individuals that prefer to receive and tell stories and metaphors, Hmm. analytical concepts, and they prefer concepts and theories. And again, theory, you could call strategy oftentimes in business. And then practical is procedure and action. So those are the three styles. So it's important to... Uh, understand the individual you're communicating to. So, for example, within the interview context, I coached a, a student around interview AQ, and um, she was going for a job at a big four accounting firm, an internship, very prestigious. And one of the things she really thought was helpful was to identify the answer style of the person she was meeting with before the interview, thought they were relational what she would do is regardless of the questions being asked, she would pepper in more stories and metaphors throughout the conversation. Verably what happened at the end was they thought she was great. <laughs> and the feedback from the firm was that she was you know, the best um, communicator they've ever had at a junior level for a position mm-hmm. because she was using some of these techniques that are very simple, but when applied can be very powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you bring up such a great point and that is understanding the person that we're communicating with and I think that's no different than understanding that person's personality style whether it's you know whether you look at the, the myers-briggs or the Enneagram or the disc whatever each person has a unique style that they prefer and so understanding then how they would answer or that the answer style that they prefer is I guess Really, what we're talking about here, right?
1: Absolutely. So, I think you bring up another good point connection here is that the AEQ framework can work in combination with other frameworks and other ways of viewing the world. Take personalities or like disc or strength finder approaches. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you know what your personality profile is, X, or you know what your number one strength is, then how would you communicate to that person in terms of the different answer modes? You know, what type of answer mode might they prefer most? So when you have something like a personality type, this allows you to operationalize that in a way that's that's more actionable in the world around you in terms of providing the answers they might want. So that's you know definitely a good idea is to take existing frameworks and approaches and ask what type of answers might be appropriate given you know this existing framework.
0: Yeah, yeah. You even alluded to uh, a situation where you know, answer, learning how to answer properly was going to help us you know in an interview process. Talk a little bit about just on a team, like how do we how do we interact with our team and know how to answer uh, someone based on our personality styles but also based on that 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 question that's being asked. I, you know, how can how can teams really improve that?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great uh, question. So i give you two things to think about. You know, one is I'll say if the whole team is aware of the framework, this gives you a language to then have conversations about. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we begin a meeting and I say, why are we doing this? We're really looking for a story or theory, a logic. Mm-hmm. If we ask, you know, how do we do this? We're looking for a procedure and or actions. And those are different and these mean specific things so we could snap into focus the language we use in a meeting and how to propel a meeting forward and then you can use some sort of simple rules of thumb what's an effective meeting it's a meeting where for any given topic we've covered six answers or it's you know all six of them complete or we've covered the missing answers hmm. another technique you can use is what i would call meta conversation so if you know a q and someone else doesn't that's okay if you ask me a question i can I can say, would you like me to tell you a story, right? So I'm I'm, I'm moving you to the answers you may want or not want. And you simply say, yes, that's what I want, or no, that's what I don't want. And you can move the conversations along in a purposeful way. If I ask you, do you want a story? And you say you don't, I maybe misread your question because sometimes the, the questions are why, what, and how, but as anyone knows that has young children, they, the kindergartner will ask the how question for everything, how, 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 and sometimes they mean what, sometimes why, sometimes when, and it doesn't go away when you move up in an organization all the way to executives. Sometimes the language we use conflates the actual questions and why, what, or how terms. So meta conversation is a way to really move people through the conversation. So those are, you know, two tips um, that you can, um, you could use
0: boy that's this is really fascinating it, it also i guess because it's so new to me and probably to our listeners where do we start where do we how do we start this process of getting you know an improvement in our answer intelligence what's the maybe what's the first step
1: first step yeah mike sonke he's a mcdonald's usa retired cfo a, a friend of a friend of uh, aq he shared with me Something I think that would be the perfect response that 50% of AQ is just knowing there's six answers. Ah, okay. Start with the very basics. If a topic is important to you, say you're a selling organization, can you communicate your value proposition in terms of all six answers? Hmm. Talking about culture, can you communicate your culture in terms of all six answers? And that simple exercise will start to snap into focus the importance of all the different answers. Start there. And then you, you sort of gradually ease into other things, try things and experiment. And I'll yeah. say two more things. It's no different than if anyone's gone on job interviews. The first interview is a little clunky. Sure. All right. The third and fourth interview, you're telling great stories and you know what works and you're using it over and over again. Right. Take that mindset, but just think of it in terms of six answers, not just one answer that seems to work for some reason. All six, yeah. and you're going to be um, you know much more effective. So that's yeah. a that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So there are six types of answers, and we we talked about them just a little bit briefly um, or earlier in this conversation. Why don't you why don't you take us through maybe a little bit deeper look at the, the the answer types? Because I think that that if that's a first place we need to start, then let's say for example we are interviewing, um, or we're having a conversation with our boss, and we need to you know know how how do we use these? How do we craft a you know, a metaphor answer or a theory answer. So maybe, you know, yeah. share with us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Let me just take you on a little walk around these different answer types. Uh, and before,
0: before you do, just so that people, if people are only listening to the audio in on, on the podcast, if you want to go to the, the YouTube channel, David McGlennon YouTube channel, we are going to have a visual that will pop in here, that shows and illustrates a graphic of all six answers, answer types. So I just wanted to share that for, for people who are maybe just listening uh, to the audio. And of course, then also, I want to encourage people to go get, get your book, <laughs> Answer Intelligence.
1: Great. appreciate that. So there's six answers in a circle. And a circle doesn't imply hierarchy. So just like the round table of the yeah. night, you know, there's, a, there's equality of the answers. So I don't yeah. necessarily privilege one answer over the other, but okay. there's always an entry point. So mm-hmm. let's just say we're going to come in with concept. Okay. And ask, You know, what question? So we have what questions all the time. What is leadership? What is your product about? You know, these are what questions. And you can define them with a concept. Okay. And a concept is a big idea. So we all know what big ideas are. Mm-hmm. So I talked about what is leadership is inspiring and holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. So a concept consists of a definition How do you define something? And then how do you break it down into sub dimensions like inspiring and holding people accountable? And I think you'll find for important ideas, when you break them down a level, sometimes there's a lack of agreement.
0: So Mm. take
1: uh, employee engagement. A lot of companies are all about that. And I've asked executives, what is it? Mm -hmm. They don't really know. They sort of point to their employees and say they smile. (laughs) <laughs> and then, but you could break it down and say employee engagement is three dimensions: cognitive engagement—they're thinking about the job all the time; physical engagement—they have the stamina to complete the job, stay till you know the work is done; emotional engagement—when the company does well, they're excited; when it does poorly, they're deflated. Well, now that that's a different command of the idea.
0: Yeah, sure. It's
1: concept, and any concept can be transformed into a metaphor. So I, I, I won't go into as much length with all these answers, but just sure. sort of as needed to sort of uh, what's new for people. Right. You what's know, of a concept? Some people might say, well, don't I know that? Well, maybe you don't.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> Metaphor is taking a concept and tying it to experience that someone can relate to. Like I said, the braided rope.
0: Yeah, right. Sure.
1: Concepts are really powerful. And I'll, I'll move to stories. And if you like stories, you should use metaphors. But a story we all understand, but sometimes, you know, I, I think if we go back to what a story is, it's just worth revisiting some of these points. You know, a story has a beginning, middle, and end. How many stories do we tell that lack that? There's yeah. what I call round characters that are rich, there's drama, which is reversal. So there's all these story elements that really differentiate between what you say is a story and maybe it's just an example. Mm-hmm. Stories. And I'll say one more thing about stories. Um, In my book, I talk about Robert McKee, who's a famed screenwriter. So he coaches those that write the the, the, the screenwriting uh, scripts for movies. Yeah. And he talks about the phenomenon that if you notice, most movies seem like they're horrible, right? (laughs) And they're like just gratuitous violence. And is this the best we can do? Right. Literally says, yes, these are the best scripts we have available. The problem is, you know the art of storytelling and understanding a story is more difficult than people think. Yeah, so,
0: sure,
1: sure. So you know, get your story right, and real quick to connect story to metaphor. Yeah. If I told you a story, think of movies of Romeo and Juliet, right? Sure. So the story, and then I said, you know, it's star-crossed lovers. I transformed it into a metaphor. So you uh, start using these answers together; that can be very powerful. So if you are a leader and you hear one of your subordinate stories, if you uh-huh. can paraphrase that as a metaphor, my goodness, you're going to triangulate the knowledge, you're going to add to the conversation, and yeah. it's just much more interesting. So that's a story. Then theory is a cause and effect. So you know, if you have you know one of our, our clients that I work with, and in the book Boston Mutual Life Insurance, and um, they have theory uh, and a story. You know, the story is uh, their family company families that survived the Great Depression is sort of their story they talk about, and that's hmm. important. But if you transfer this to theory terms, families that survived the Great Depression its three attributes. They're flexible, communicated well, and they're cohesive that hmm. led to goal achievement. Well, that's a theory. That's a cause and effect statement about how we're going to operate as an insurance company. Yeah, sure. You can articulate it like that, then you don't have good command over the theory or the strategy. So that's important. I might pause there and I'm just going to briefly go through procedure and action. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is right. fascinating. I love it. And the last one is the how question. You know, how do you lead? You know, how do you how do you do things? And those are procedures and actions. And I'll tell you the difference between those. So you think of baking a cake. When you bake a cake, there's a 10-step <laughs> recipe, right? Yeah. When you emphasize the steps or process one through 10, that's a procedure. When you emphasize any given step, such as cracking an egg, that's mm-hmm. an action. Ah, so okay. Procedures are the steps. Actions are any given step with the action. And so if you think of it that way, you can really start to be analytical and precise about, you know, your procedures and actions that you may use to lead a meeting that's supposed to be about, in, you know, increasing engagement. If that's what mm-hmm. you want. Or I'll ask students on interviews, they'll say their number one leadership skill is leadership. And I ask them, well, tell me a procedure, three steps of how you're going to lead the next meeting, or three steps you're going to do something, and they can't do it. And I found the the best communicators, those that are really committed to their craft, whether the topic is leadership, engagement, if you ask them a question, tell me your procedure, they're going to be able to articulate it. So that's the difference between high quality answers, high AQ, and sort of low AQ answers, we just sort of bumble around through the world.
0: Right, right. And I think that the importance to this, quite frankly, and for those of you who are listening to this conversation, this may be a little bit foreign to you. I know it is for me, but I know that to to be a good communicator, let me back up, to be a good leader, we have to be a good communicator. And if we want to be a better communicator, not only do we have to listen well and listen to the questions, but we have to be able to formulate our answers in a way that the, the other person who's listening is going to best understand what we're communicating. And so to be able to create a, a process or, or talk about an action or, or or communicate in a metaphor, I think is very important at, as as a leader. And so in that regard, I think this is an important topic for all of us as leaders to, to really improve and, and to step into. So I'm so grateful to have you talk about this. One thing I do want to ask you, though, I, I read in your book that all of this, if I'm recalling correctly, all of this kind of started with the game of golf, right? So tell me a little bit about that, because I, I like the game of golf. And, I, and yeah. I just want to, you know, hear this story.
1: Yeah, so you know, going back to the origin story I told before about how the presentation wasn't well received and with the feedback report. Yeah, reflecting on that, and I had a sense that uh, something was wrong with with the uh, the answers, and I, I didn't fully recognize this until years later. I did further research on questions, and then finally. I wanted to understand the answers and we decided to interview my colleagues and I, the top golf instructors in the world is rated by Golf Digest and Golf Magazine. And uh, you, your listeners might be asking why golf? That seems uh, sort of strange. The two reasons why this sample. One, they were experts. Whenever you study experts, it's a good thing. They're in the upper half of the 99th percentile uh, in their profession. So that was good. Second, in terms of answers, they have a lot of conversations with a wide range of clients. And that Mm -hmm. wide range of clients is very important. So they would teach individuals that were completely new to the game of golf, to touring pros you see on TV, to weekend warriors, to executives. So that's pretty cool from a research standpoint because there's no restriction of range. So if the answers they provide and the techniques they used worked with their clients, it could generalize potentially to a wide range of individuals. Say in sales, you have asymmetries of knowledge: the sellers know more than the buyers, or, or vice versa. Asymmetries of interest, right? The leaders more motivated than the followers. Sure. Similar in golf, you have you know some of these uh, people that just want to hit the ball hard, and the <laughs> golf instructor wants them, you know, is interested in perfecting their game, and they're total asymmetries of interest. So. Um, this was a great sample and we studied them and we came up with the, the answer intelligence framework and the six answers. And we've since generalized that to all these other domains, but that was, that was why golf. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, answering, you know, using the framework.
0: I was just going to say, and, and if you, yeah, if, if people who are listening understand what you just did, you told that story. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And, and even in my question, I asked, Something about, you know, I'd love to hear that story. And I, I'm, I'm yeah, you're right. You're leaving me now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's an implicit like... why question. So, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is really fascinating, Brian. And I'm, I'm really uh, grateful to be able to bring this to the audience. If there's one thing that you want to leave the audience with today, what do you want the audience to, to, to walk away with today?
1: Yeah, I think that the message that I'd like to convey is that you know, we live in a world of questions, You know, question methodologies and coaching and sales, the research question that I already mentioned, we focus on that. There's no research answer. When you look at business books on Amazon, books with the word question in the title, outnumber books with answer in the title three to one. And I love answers. I've done research. I mean, I love questions. <laughs> I've done research on it. My message would be that um, really think about the role of questions and answers in your conversation. And I think if I had to boil it down, questions are for curiosity, answers are for influence.
0: Mm. And
1: um, I think that's that's the perspective. It's a little bit of a paradigm shift because there yeah. is some out there they're gonna say, maybe said this explicitly, answers are for influence. You may have heard, you know, questions are the answer. Yeah, that's, that's tautological. I think certainly certain questions can influence but answers are what create influence. You get the job because of your answers. When you're on a sales call, it's ultimately your ability to answer one or two key questions from an executive that will close the deal. That is yeah. that is it.
0: I love that. And and going back to your your leadership topic, everybody who knows me knows you know John Maxwell and John Maxwell says that that leadership is influence. So if we want to be a leader, if we want to influence, then we really have to be able to connect the dots between the questions and our answers, right? And I think if, if I could paraphrase what you're saying, to me, that's what it that, that's what you're saying.
1: I agree. That's a great metaphor also. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, uh connecting the dots. Uh, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. So Brian, I this really is, I think this is a skill. And I think it's a skill that I know that I need to get better at. And I, I, I want my audience to to get better at as well because then then we can become better leaders. And so how do we get a hold of, of your book? And I know that there's also a free assessment on your website. So talk a little bit about that as well.
1: Yeah. So the, the you know the book can be uh, you know, purchased from Amazon or you can go to my website. Uh, the book is Answer Intelligence Raise Your AQ. The website is raiseyouraq.com. And if you go there on the um, assessments and apps tab, there's an explore AQ assessment, which is a, a free Assessment you can take for different topics, and it's a real quick uh, test of your knowledge of answers. And you get a ten-plus page PDF report and a, a nice primer on AQ as well. So I'd encourage yeah. your listeners and viewers to try that out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We will make sure that we put all of those links uh, in the show notes, and uh, just so the audience knows, I have taken that assessment, and uh, so I'm. I, I haven't looked at the the PDF. Uh, in detail yet. I was telling uh, Brian before we we started recording today that that's something I want to be able to dive into. And so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And Brian, thank you so much for, for being here today and, and sharing this uh, leadership topic, really, because I believe that if, if we're going to influence and if we're going to lead the people that uh, are around us, we have to be able to, yes, ask good, good questions, but then we also have to answer them with the appropriate answers in this framework. So I, I really uh, have been appreciative of understanding this new framework that uh, that you've developed.
1: Well said. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, you've been a great host and uh, I've enjoyed our conversation.
0: Thanks, Brian. Well, this was an amazing conversation that uh, honestly really fascinates me and actually challenges me to be in my own growth space because I feel like I'm really good at questions and maybe not as good at the answers. And so, uh, matter of fact, Brian and I were talking after we hit, uh, stop recording. And and one of the things that he told me, uh, as I shared with him about my work with emerging leaders that he, he said in his research project, one of the issues that um, he was trying to solve was the fact that he had this, this software company who had coders and programmers becoming promoted and they had no idea how to lead. And so when, when Brian was talking about having AQ higher and, and growing our AQ as a way to increase our leadership, increase our influence, I mean, that really struck a chord with me because I really felt, feel like that as leaders, um, we have to be able to, yes, learn to ask great questions, but then we also have to have a framework or a way to navigate an answer that will be received the, the best. For the person that we're talking to. And so uh, I, I really feel like this is a, a really important concept and as important as, as EQ, because you know I've talked about EQ on on the podcast. Uh, I've had a Teresa Quinlan on. And uh, if you're listening and you were part of the original ELIC Summit, um, you know that she came and she talked about EQ and, and, and shared with us how to improve our EQ. And so I believe that AQ is just as important and it's something that uh, I'm gonna be learning more about. So uh, I, I hope that you really uh, enjoyed this. I, I really encourage you to go out and get Brian's book um, because uh, it, it really has a, a, a uh, that framework that I think will help us all to be able to to learn to answer better and use that framework to to give better answers. And speaking of the ELIC Summit, we're getting really close on a date. And so I would love if you are interested uh, in in attending the ELIC Summit, if you have a team, if you are a leader and you've got a team, this is a perfect opportunity to come with your team and really roll up your sleeves and, and get involved in what the ELIC is is all about because this particular summit is not about just sitting and and getting it's going to be we're going to we're going to yes hear from some amazing speakers and facilitators but we're going to dive into their content and really uh, get our learning accelerated and started for the new year and, and really roll into the new year with some momentum. So I hope you'll be interested in, in joining us uh, in December. It's looking like it's either going to be the first or the second week in December, hopefully right before all of the uh, uh, the holiday uh, activity gets in, in full gear. Uh, but if you're interested, uh, go ahead and, and go to my website, davidmcglennon.com slash E-L-I-C summit. And we will put the link to that in the show notes. So get on our our list to be able to be notified on when that date is solidified, which hopefully uh, by the time you hear this, is already solidified. But thank you so much again for watching and listening. Uh, and, and speaking of watching, uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, go out and check out uh, David McGlennan, uh on YouTube and you'll see in the growth space as a playlist, and so uh, if you want to watch uh, me and Brian uh, in this conversation, I'd, I'd invite you to uh, to go over to the YouTube channel as well. So thanks again for for listening and and watching, and until next time, stay in that growth space and be well.